will fix you. Hello, and welcome once more to We Will Fix You, the show where we fix you. If you'd like to done get fixed, contact us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or ask us a question on the Book of Faces. You know, the blue one, not the forbidden one. Joining me today, we have uh, Ms. Lucy Boyes, Deportment Coach, Flipping the Bird Division. <laughs> Myself, Roger Hart, a chartered capered psychoanalyst, and Mr. Dave Condry, the goatsy you can take home to Grandma. Good evening. Now, the days are getting lighter, but don't get too cocky. Even at the solstice, it's dark in the heart of the forest. We have a question, today, from someone who's bored at work. I think we can all relate to that. Oh boy, yes. Everyone's a little lacklustre in the office from time to time. Our anonymous and really quite bored questioner writes, I'm lucky enough to have a well-paying desk job that I'm in no hurry to leave, but due to the vagaries of my industry, I don't currently have any work to do. I know, first world problems, eh? Hopefully it's not permanent, but I've finished even my unimportant tasks that I've been putting off the months list. There's nothing new on the horizon, and unfortunately I'm not in a position to create work for the company. I like the sense of accomplishment that a job well done gives me, but there's only so much surfing the net that I can do in a day before I start to lose it. Do you have any suggestions for ways to stop me going stir-crazy in the office, please? Yours, Anonymous. And really quite bored. Lucy? Well, I think, I mean, this is something that I can relate to to an extent. I think we all can. And um, more so than any of the actual advice I'm going to give, what I really want to get across is that this is not your fault in any way. And your feelings of guilt and boredom arise from, I guess, basically the idea promoted by capitalism that the only value a person has is being productive in terms of work that makes money for someone at all times. Now, the vagaries of that same capitalist system mean that there are going to be times when someone is working their fucking socks off and being paid shit all, and there are going to be times when people like you and I are getting paid quite nicely to not do all that much. And that is not really a moral judgment on anyone. That's just kind of how it works, and it's fucked. And I think the only way you can deal with it is sort of learn to live with it and try and mitigate your own guilt. But I think if, if you're looking for ways to, to fill the days, you could do a lot worse than enlightening your mind through Wikipedia. Now I just want to give you a selection of some of the things that have been open tabs for me recently, kind of the ideas of topic areas that you could be investigating. I have at least five or six tabs open about Victorian railway disasters. Fascinating era. They had all these big trains. No one fucking knew how dangerous they were. No ability to contact each other. Each went into a tunnel and died. Splendid. You could read about topics that interest you all around the world. I had gender inequality in Liberia open today for some reason. Spoilers, not great. I mean, I've always been interested in anthropology, so currently I have things open, you know, the anthropology of religion, prehistoric cultures, the kind of old world prehistoric cultures, when did civilization begin emerging, that kind of stuff, rich deep seam, their uncontacted tribes, that's a good one. Oh. Mm, there's lots of them. They're in the Amazon. Performing horses of the 17th century. Intriguing. Why not? And finally, I think there's a lot to be learnt about interestingly named veterans. So the, um... The last survivor of the War of 1812 was a gentleman named Hiram Cronk, and the last survivor of the Confederacy was a gentleman named Pleasant Crump. 
these are really, really good names for veterans to have, and you can find out a lot more about them on the Wikipedia. Did they ever team up for an amusing vaudeville act? I believe there was too much of an age disparity between them, the War of 1812 happening in 1812, the Confederacy happening around the mid-1860s. If just reading isn't really getting you going, there's a lot of sort of slightly more interactive options. Um, Advice podcasts. That is more interactive. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of sort of learning skills, you know, you've got these kind of massively open online courses now where you can pick something you're interested in and do an online class in it. There are things like Khan Academy and Duolingo which allow you to learn maths and languages, you know, maybe... I think learning even for the sake of learning is a bit more fulfilling than just reading or kind of doing nothing. So even if there's not really a goal other than get a little bit better at this thing or pick up something new for a bit, that can be quite fulfilling. I think my other suggestion would be, are you someone who has any kind of personal projects that you could work on in this downtime at work that sort of, so so writing projects just look a lot like work. You're sat at a computer typing into something that looks like a document. Anyone who's got good enough eyesight to actually read what you're writing shouldn't be looking over your shoulder anyway, that's not fair. Or if you've got sort of projects that you do, can you use any of this time for planning or researching, hmm? that kind of thing. I, I followed a, a similar tack, if I may. You mentioned, um, you mentioned learning. I, I assumed a little more hostility in the system. Mm. So I followed a similar sort of angle, but I felt that if you're asking for help in this context, it must be hard to find fun distractions. You know, social media, browser games, BuzzFeed, wanking, all the usual things. Um, and so I assumed a sort of a restrictive work policy. Maybe maybe bad access to control over your machine, maybe bad internet mm. control. You mentioned surfing the net, so maybe you don't have. I'm, I'm kind of equivocating here. I think imagining a situation where perhaps you either can't or would be frowned on for spending the whole day on Facebook, but could do legitimate research. Um, and and my, my suggestion essentially is to um, sort of come and join us in the privileged castle of tech work. Um, I once worked somewhere where IT policy was so lax that uh, a colleague saw a guy watching porn while coding. No, he, this is not good, I'm not suggesting that's good. He was, I believe, told off for it. But the sense of comfort he must have felt to be able to do that in the first place kind of speaks to a degree of culture. It's really shoes off, isn't it? Mm. So, how do you get into tech, thereby unlocking more distraction options? Keep yourself distracted in the interim, all the while looking like you're at your desk job working. Well, I'm going to suggest that you, uh, you learn to code with the tools available to you, which is to say, Excel. Wonderful, wonderful Excel. It excels at what it does. I believe so. No, I actually have a friend who um, learned enough data manipulation and Visual Basic to uh, massively change jobs and bootstrap upwards. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that as a route, but um, being a modern Microsoft product, Excel has insane interoperability, which means you can effectively use it to execute arbitrary code. With a little fussing, you can call out to the entire CLR, a common language runtime, which is a bit of tweaking. And to do that, you might need to add a reference to MS Corlib to some of the settings, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that sort of thing. So we want to sort of keep you distracted by teaching you to code in a way that won't get you caught. So you'll only have things on your browser that look like sort of documentation or fairly boring text, and you'll be working in Excel. So, so the, 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 the challenge here, I'm not going to read out an entire coding tutorial, but the challenge is to get to the ability to run an easily findable, publicly Googleable, won't be blocked by your employer coding tutorial from Excel. And, and that's actually, as it turns out, pretty simple. I thought this was going to be tricky. It's, it's not so much. Um, 
And if you do it, you could also come up with my, my sort of second suggestion, because if you're running a coding tutorial, you really want a project. So the other thing you could possibly do is, and there are toy examples of this online, um, you could turn Excel into a Twitter client. Uh, if, you, if you're able to bootstrap up to the ability to run arbitrary code, you can call out to the Twitter API and surface and indeed send, um, it's, it's relatively simple, relatively well-documented API, tweets from within Excel. Um, API for those not necessarily following along as an application programming interface. It's a way of talking to already written programs in order to use their capability in your own. That's the only time anyone's ever explained that to me. I mean, I figured out what it meant and what it did, but only intuitively. So thank you. Cool. I'm not going. To, I'm going to forget to explain half of this, and I'm going to give a very, very generalised overview. Excel obviously has formulae, and you can type formulae in cells, and that's all fine and well. And it has a basic editor that lets you um, visible basic editor that lets you um, work on macros. Excel does more than just graphs because it's it has these macros for automation, basically little instruction sets for performing repetitive tasks. And these back onto VBA, Visual Basic for Applications, which is a fairly gimpy programming language provided by Microsoft, but it's, it's somewhat powerful. Um, and it lets you do things like if you have multiple spreadsheets and you want to tidy up some data or perform the same operation on multiple rows across multiple workbooks, standard stuff. And you can record it visually, you can record processes, but you can also write them using the scripting language. And it has reasonably powerful developer tools. This was the revelation to me. So if you, um, if you go into File, Options, Customize Ribbon, the right version of Excel, most modern versions, somewhere you'll find the option to add the developer controls. And this will pop out a developer tab in the ribbon that lets you launch a, a visual basic IDE, IDE as an integrated development environment, basically a fancy text editor for code. Um, and what you've basically got then is a reasonably full-featured, looks a bit like SQL Server Management Studio editing IDE that's just sat there within Excel. You've got basic coding tools in Visual Basic, which kind of sucks, but we're going to solve that problem for you in a moment. Um, now, at this point, you might bump up against admin access to your system. There are a few workarounds for doing fun things in Excel that require you to, say, edit the registry of your machine or install dev tools. If you have local admin access to your machine, you're, you're laughing. If not, you are going to need to do some hacking or bribe your sysadmin or just lie to them. Just tell them that you, you need something to to do at work. Just just throw terminology at them, they won't understand. Most people sit admins are fucking idiots. Um, Not ours. No, no, lovely. But uh, there are plenty of bad ones. Hmm. Um, I would say the bad ones massively predominate. Um, it is going to be tricky if you don't have admin access. But once once you, you've got this, you've got a simple sort of editing console. You can just edit in a basic text editor, or you could download something like Notepad++ or Sublime Text to do editing if you need to wrap things up into, um, well, if you want to execute more interesting code than you can write in Visual Basic, you will need to use something that you can use natively from Microsoft like um, C Sharp. You can wrap this up into libraries, um, little packages that you can call from other bits of code. Again, there are issues with installation. Um, but there's a library called Excel DNA that lets you um, call out to the other .NET languages, .NET being Microsoft's big sort of package of technology stuff. Um, and that would let you write C-sharp from within your um, VB. You would just initiate, um, you'd set up the thing that calls out to C-sharp and then just start writing your C-sharp code. And this basically this lets you use languages that are better supported, have more features, that are better at calling, H H um, calling APIs, but that also are more likely to have more available documented tutorials. 
Um, few other options if you can't plug in a library to more easily get at the, the CLR. Um, for example, um, Excel VBA has has a, an option, a switch uh, called PSCMD, PS PowerShell command, and that will let you run arbitrary PowerShell from within your Excel macros. Now, this is where it does get a bit dirty. PowerShell is, is Microsoft's shell scripting language. Think of it as a sort of DOS command prompt, but massively souped up. It lets you run simple instructions to, to the machine. But PowerShell has got a little bit ahead of itself. So from PowerShell, you can call any public functions in a C-sharp assembly, for example, if you've already written a package of code. But you can use PS command in Excel VBA to run, um, you can potentially just write arbitrary C-sharp from PowerShell, but you could also call out to SQL command. And if you've got access to a SQL server, you SQL command to run arbitrary T-SQL queries, you can call the entirety of the CLR. You can write pretty much any form of .NET code you want out from SQL. And at this point, you've taught yourself two separate languages which are useful in web development. So you've done something horrifying and disgusting and kind of convoluted, but you have also taught yourself two programming language. I think you're doing pretty fucking well. Basically, yes. Um, if you have admin rights, you'll be able to install um, some libraries. You can Google around for them to let you um, write C-sharp. If not, you can embed it in your VBA, um, probably via PowerShell or via some other kind of um, other set of commands. And then you'll find readily available um, coding examples that you can use online to um, basically teach yourself C-sharp from within Excel. That's quite comprehensive. That is very comprehensive. It's clearly the most sensible and least convoluted thing you could possibly do to solve this problem. And that's what we specialise in here. Might I suggest? You may. In 2007, Peter Verder and Philippe Rothlin came up with the idea of bore-out, which is similar to burnout, but, as you might be ahead of me here, from sheer boredom. And with very much the same results, galloping stress levels, uh, lack of organisational loyalty, lack of productivity, although you're hardly to blame for that if you don't have the work to do yourself. This is, this is, this is something that they've apparently seen again and again, and it sounds very much like uh, what, what you are dealing with. So I, might I suggest that you take this time to springboard the next uh, part of your career, and I'm going to if I may, suggest some, some things that you can do to do that. You're clearly engaged, but your boredom and the fact that you don't feel that you can correct it through the management structures of your company suggests that you might find person-to-person -person management stultifying or at the very least not useful to, to how you work. So you might want to think about becoming a contractor, um, setting your own hours, being able to define your own work and charging what you want for it, uh, rather than being sort of restricted to these hours that are set and, and uh, cannot be filled. And if you are a contractor, you have the opportunity to meet more people, you have the opportunity to travel more. And of course, there are downsides as well. You have to, you know, you have to find work. Do um, your own fucking taxes. You have to do your own taxes. In this case, you have to find ready access to large amounts of piano wire, leather gloves, and bleach. Because something that almost anyone can do is is move into the exciting world of contract killing. Now, it might take you a little while to, to build up a name, and you might have to learn how to install Tor on your local computer in order to completely an an anonymize your traffic. It might but, be a different name that you build up. Yeah. I mean, you you presumably want to pick something 
The scary sounding, yeah. The growlerooney. El El Gringo. Yeah. Yeah, something something intimidating. El picante. Spicy. And from there, yes, yeah, just uh, just um, put your name out there. Um, it's it's a burgeoning market, and I think you'll find that when you start really committing to the world of contract killing, the problems you're feeling now, the boredom, the ennui, they will start to disappear as you start to make your own hours, as you start to meet and eliminate interesting people. Once you start to feel like your actions are really having concrete effects on the world, in this case, eliminating businessmen and, and uh, minor government functionaries across the world, then I think it'll, you'll find that it really makes a difference. And you'd be really glad you took the time to become a contract killer. Hmm. Hmm. Promising. Promising. Any, any steps for breaking into the business? Um, well, first of all, I mean, you, you've, you've got to establish a name for yourself. So you are, at the very least, going to have to take a week off sick to do some murders. You're, just, you're going to need that reputation. You're going to need attributable, attributable kills. You're also going to need to start... You know, advertising. Um, you might want to maybe start a get get some time in doing a bounty hunting internship. Mm. Start to start to you know learn the little things like how people tend to run screaming as you fire round after round after them. Um, how people will tend to go to ground after a botched execution attempt. All of these sorts of things. There's never any that you you can't substitute. Real world experience. Yeah, you you, you just can't substitute um, enthusiasm for experience. So no, the, build related skills. Learn Krav Maga. The the assassination in VQ program was not successful. No, it wasn't. It no. was half the students died. Mm-hmm. Grossly underfunded. I think I think there's a number of possible kind of entry avenues though. I mean, people like to launch new business enterprises with a big bang now so you could just kill someone fairly high profile randomly advertise that it was you on the other hand you could start at the bottom you know rough a few people up first and then work your way up the crime ladder like that I think that might be more promising I think the um, I thought you were going to suggest a sort of vowel free app like murderer murderer yeah just a lot of R's Mm. Um, swipe left yeah just just that that would that'd be good. You see, what you, what you don't want, though, is... Fiverr, murder with two R's mm. on the end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you could, you know, just match your targets to, to your killers. Mm. It could be a lucrative market. I'm sure you could buy the algorithm from Tinder or someone like that. Yeah, well, intermediating where there is unmet demand is, is lucrative. You, you could pursue that. But mostly just kill people for fun and profit. Excellent advice. You won't be bored at that job. No, I mean, your life expectancy will be incredibly short anyway. You'll probably be quite traumatised as well, unless you've been hardened to this from an early age. Well, hence your suggestion of starting at the bottom. Mm. I, I, I think that's very practical. Leather your trauma skin up mm. with repeat exposure. Mm. I think we can consider that fixed. Splendid. If you have enjoyed us fixing you today, do feel free to leave us a review on the old iTunes or ask us a question of your own at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com Farewell. Farewell. Can I show you a really good woodcut? <laughs>